Amen. Well, I love the words to that song. How about you? Wonderful lyrics and great presentation by the ministry team here. We're going to get into prayer, and all these cards that you see have great expectation written all over them. And we're going to believe that God will answer prayer for many of them because of your prayers and because as you take these needs to the Lord. We met with leadership on Monday night, and uh, as a result of that, we prayed and uh, just took them to the Lord. And we have some great results to come out of that. And uh, so we want to tell you about that just in these next few minutes uh, as, we, uh, as we have together. Um, it's uh, unusual uh, circumstances as it relates to a miracle. We all believe in miracles. Is that correct? Say amen. And that usually is the supernatural act of Almighty God. And we have a wonderful illustration found in our text tonight of Mark the sixth chapter. And it's because people are in great need and the odds against those needs being met in a natural way were way, way, way out there. We know that no one thought to use their faith. They never dreamed for a moment, well, that'd be something that Jesus could do. And here's what we found out, our illustration, that God can take little or nothing and make something out of it. When I heard your testimony of the patience of waiting and calling on God of how that clicked and you made that right connection and all the time you might think, well, she just decided to get on the internet or take a look. I'm here to tell you that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords sparked that in Heather's heart, and here we go. They're out of here on Tuesday. So how do you get off in the miracles, and you get answered prayers to take place? And we have the story. Number one, you have to determine that there is a need that only God can fix. And so you take a look at Mark 6.36. Here's what Jesus said. Send the people away so they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. And we know that, of course, uh, that was the writing of those disciples as, as they were following. Those were the voices trying to speak into the mind and heart of the Lord Jesus. We know the circumstance, and we'll be there, those of you, uh, 110 or 15 of you, going with me to Israel uh, coming up. You'll go to the very place that this actually took place. said that Jesus departed to a desert place. They needed rest. He needed rest. But his teaching was so powerful that thousands migrated to where he was and where he was teaching. And he would literally teach for hours. He said, they're like sheep without a shepherd. They have a great need. They don't have leadership. They can't care for themselves. And it says Jesus was moved with compassion upon them. I hope you appreciate God's compassion as much as I do, and I know that you do. But here's what I also found out. When we hit what I call critical mass, and we hit crisis, in order for God to move in a supernatural way many times, the need must be greater than man's ability to be able to make it come to pass. The need that only God can fix. You say, that's a great need. I can't fix it. Here's the second thing. The need must be determined and acknowledged. That is a need only by supernatural proportion, God. I need healing. I need a financial miracle. I need this to take place. And the need must, in fact, engage your faith. What is my faith? What is your faith? The grain of a mustard seed. 
And here's what we often do. I can tell you that many of us in this room have many, many miracles tonight. How about a wayward grandchild that's away from God and they're getting further away? How about the child that I talked to the mom today, pray for my son, what's happening? Well, he's just getting way out there, getting lost, not in church anymore, and just drifting out there. And I said to her, oh, but don't ever forget, God's got a fish hook in the back of his coat, and he won't go too far before the end of the line comes, and God will bring him back. You see, we believe God for that. But here's what we often do. We put those kind of needs off. We push it off. Second thing is we pass the buck. Well, I hope somebody's praying. The other thing is we worry about the consequences. Now, these people had nothing to eat, and this is what Jesus said, feed them. Just feed them. That's all there is to it. That's bottom line, feed them. The responsive, the response of the disciples was, it's too late, send them away, as we read in that key text. And if we feed them, it's going to cost us about eight months' wages. So if you're expecting us to do anything, you declare your inadequacy, your inability, and your need for God. And when you get to the place, you say, I have the need, I see the miracle, but God, it is so big. What am I going to do with that son that's out there that's wavered, that's breaking my heart? How do, how do I deal with that? You take that need to God and you give up. This is hard. You give up and you submit your need to God. That's what they did. They said, we're going to settle down in Auburndale. We're just going to simply say, God, we surrender. It's all about you. We're going to live. We're going to teach. We're going to get involved. But it's all about you. Now listen, it is sometimes hard to surrender to God something that really is important and valuable to you. Because here's what I know. Satan will keep you and your need away from God as long as he can. Well, what does God suggest? He says, when your need is great and it's there, he says, come to me, all ye that are weary and heavy burdened, and I'll give you rest. The psalmist said in Psalms 116, the Lord protects the simple-hearted. When I was in great need, he saved me. You see, when you settle down and surrender with that need to God, God says, okay, now I'm able to move. Number two, you plant a seed. That's the power of faith. Mark 6, 38, how many loaves do you have? He asked, go and see. And when they found out, they said, how many? Five loaves, two fish. Five loaves and two fish. Jesus said, bring it to me. Bring it to me. Here's what I know. God never instructs us to do something unless he sees something that we have that he can use. So what do I bring to the table when I say I need a miracle? God, here's what I do. I bring me. I bring my talent, my ability. I bring my finance. I bring my surrendered heart. And I say, here. And God says, okay, when that happens and the need is great, something phenomenal is just about to happen. In John's account of this story, John 6, 5 and 6, it says, when Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, said to Philip, 
Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? And he asked this only to test him, for he had already had in mind what he was going to do. The disciples had overlooked the insignificant. They had overlooked the unusual, and they had overlooked the inobtrusive. And they simply overlooked, what is it that you have? It's five loaves and two fish. There is nothing more precious to God than you saying, I surrender all. God, all that I am, I surrender my needs to you. And from the historical perspective, here's what we know. God has always used seemingly that which is insignificant. And so I'll tell you a few illustrations. One was a rod in Exodus 4. The other was the jawbone of an ass. The other were five smooth stones. The other was a handful of flour. The other was a cloud the size of a man's hand. The other was a little mustard seed. All little insignificant things that God says, show that to me. But that doesn't surprise us. Paul advises us and admonishes us in 1 Corinthians 1, 27. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise and chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. I promise you that somewhere we have a seed in our faith, in our lives, that we can plant and put it in the hand of God and produce results. And we have that here tonight. These cards represent our seed. It represents our need that we lay before God at the altar. It represents our voice to the throne room of God because we will send those needs up to Almighty God. And when you take that need and present it to God and then offer Him what little bit that you have as it relates to your faith, God will make it happen. Every miracle in the Bible, Jesus commanded that those involved bring something to Him in the way of a need. Preparation always precedes the blessing. We prayed on uh, Monday night. We had Many people here of the leadership, and we prayed, and um, there were numerous cards. I had one particular card that I put in there for my brother Lamar. Lamar uh, got shaky and had to, be, had to be transported by an ambulance after the second service Sunday morning. His heart was racing, beating up to 155 beats. Then it would just drop down to 70 and jump to 129, and it was all over the board. When the paramedics got there, they said, we're going to have to get you on to the hospital. I went into the ER there with him, and uh, they were trying to get into control, had the IV. And uh, so I said, we're going to pray. We're going to believe God. I spoke to the doctors, and the nurse there was just as sweet as she could be. She said, we're going to give this shot in the IV, and... Uh, we believe that'll, maybe that'll just calm it down. Now, you might remember several years ago, I think 2010, he had a brain bleed that he should have died, but God reached down and touched him. And there are no encumbering side effects that, that took place. Uh, he's continued on. She put that in and nothing happened. As a matter of fact, it went up to about 147. And I thought, wow, this is getting serious now. 
She said, if this doesn't work, about 3 o'clock, she said, we're going to put a drip line in. It's going to be a heavier medication and just a drip, continual drip line in the IV. She did that, no change. As a matter of fact, over a period of time, it jumped to a high of 165. Well, now we're getting real serious. I said, don't you worry about it. I talked to my brother since he had his brain bleed at least five or six times every morning I call him about 6.30. How you doing, brother? Doing okay? Have a good night? want to let you know I love you. It doesn't take long because he came that close to dying. thought, I don't want to lose him. So I'm standing there. I said, we got a prayer meeting tonight. I said, we got a prayer meeting tonight. I've got a card in there. I'm going to mention you. We're going to pray for you. He said, boy, he calls me Bob. Pray tell, I don't know why. He said, well, Bob, I sure do appreciate it. He said, I need that prayer. Well, about 6 o'clock on Monday night, uh, his jumped up to 165, and he dropped down to 80, and all over the board with the drip. And they said, here's what we're going to have to do tomorrow, Tuesday. We're going to have to put a, a little capsule down to your heart, see if there's a blood clot that's causing this that we can't seem to get in control. And if that's not a blood clot, we're going to stop your heart tomorrow and we're going to shock you back and bring you back to life. And that's what's going to happen on Tuesday. Monday night, we got here at 6.30, we started to pray. I said, Lord, I sat back there in that corner, cried out to God. Many of you prayed. It's going to happen. We're going to believe God. Called him up after that. I said, buddy, we got this prayed for you. God's going to move. He said, I sure hope so. At 10 o'clock, the nurse walked in just to check and looked at the monitor and said, uh, Mr. Blackburn, your heart's beating normal. He said, it's what? It's beating normal. It's run 72 beats. It's unusual. She said, I don't know what happened. He said, I know what happened. He said, my church prayed. God intervened. God gave a miracle. She said, well, I'm going to watch you a little while. We're going to hook up an EKG to you. She hooked it up about 11 o'clock. She said, it's no longer beating out of control. It's beating perfect. Let me check your blood pressure. Checked his blood pressure. Said it's perfect. Well, let's see how you do tonight. We'll do an EKG tomorrow morning. That's Tuesday. That's the morning. We're going to put the bullet in the heart to see if there's a blood clot and then stop his heart and shock him back to life. She checked the EKG before she left. She said, it's all perfect. She called the cardiologist. you got to come see this man. He came in and he said, well, as far as I can tell, Everything according to the test is normal. I'm going to release you and let you go home. So my brother, instead of getting shocked back to life, God intervened with a miracle, and he walked out of his own volition and went home, and that's where he is right now. Would you put your hands together, and let's thank God for that. That's one miracle out of Monday night's prayer meeting, out of your fasting and your praying. I'm wrapping up right here. Done with that. Teresa Bullard, before her, she got married, it was Bullard, now it's Swan. Sam Swan, Teresa and Sam. Teresa's over our sidewalk Sunday school. Do you mind if I come down here? Thank you, I appreciate it. We got notice a couple of weeks ago that Sam had seemingly cancer. 
they did a PET scan and, and said, you do, it's in your liver. Well, is it spread anywhere else? Doesn't appear to be. On Monday, they said, well, uh, we're going to have to do uh, some uh, treatment. And she got word, Moffitt came back, or Mayo Clinic, working with the VA, the VA hospital, because he's a veteran, that's where he went. They said it is a rare, can- a rare cancer, fast-growing and we've identified it is there in the liver. Well, what do I do? I'm in the VA. Now, I don't mind. I appreciate the VA. I know you do, Jesse. You appreciate the VA, but you don't often get the expeditious treatment that you need while fighting something like this. So we communicated, she communicated with Moffitt. There's one specialist in this whole region, a general area, that is at Moffitt that specifically treats that type of cancer, that rare cancer, just one. You communicated with the VA. The VA communicated with Moffitt, and here's what took place. You see, if you use your deductible, it's thousands of dollars. Teresa, of course, and Sam do our sidewalk Sunday school, so they don't make $200,000 a year. They don't make $100,000. Well, anyway... And it's not that. But here's what happened. The VA talked to Moffitt, and Moffitt said, we will take him as a patient. And the VA said, we will give you what is considered to be a gold crown card. And you will now become Moffitt's patient. And the VA will pay the whole bill with the exception of the little bit that you usually pay the VA, and everything else will be paid in full. So he will be treated by the number one person over that particular cancer, and we believe that is an absolute miracle of God. What say you? You say amen? We trust God. So we feel like, God, we're on our way. Now, I've got, I've got lists of many more miracles just in the last two weeks. But what's about to happen is you're about to be the conduit to take one of these cards and just really take a look at it and say, God, I'm believing you. I'm planting a seed. This is my petition that I'm laying at your altar, on your, in your altar, in your presence, and I'm asking you to move on my behalf tonight. I believe by faith. I'm planting the seed. It may be nothing more than two fish and five loaves, but that's all you need in order to feed the multitude of the heart of God. Can you say amen? Amen. So, Father, we rejoice together, and we ask you to move and minister in a special way. So I'm going to ask you, would you come and get one of these, several of these cards, and would you just go back to your seat or just stay here in the front and at the altar and spend some time in the Lord? And if you run out of a card, Bring it back, put it on the altar, and get some more. And we're going to do this for about 12 or 15 minutes, okay? I hope you're as excited as I am to see what I'm going to be able to tell you this coming Sunday morning about what God did. Amen? We believe it.
You 
How many of you saw needs that would break your heart? I see your hand. Many needs. Family members that are lost. I read one where the husband and the son are just obstinate to God. And the precious lady's hanging on with everything that she can. This is a single mom with her 14-year-old daughter. She said, we would love just to have a place that would be safe and affordable for us to live in. We live barely from paycheck to paycheck, but we need Jesus to give us a break. Wow, you read those over and over and over again. You see, the Bible said that Jesus was moved with compassion. Compassion. I'm gonna ask for special prayer for this Saturday. We have the funeral. 
for Colin and uh, the family will be here, many of our rangers and many students from schools, many parents and families that'll be here. But what they've asked me to speak on is to speak on the fact that, that life is short and you don't ever know when it's gonna be over. You don't ever know when you're gonna wake up and find your son in the floor dead. Never expected it to happen to them. The Tanner family is hurting and grieving and we are, we are they're leaning on us, leaning on the family of God. And let me say this to you, the family of God is responding to them. We have said to them, we will be the wings that you can fly on and there will be no need that you have but what, if there's any way for us to help fix it, we're going to do just that. Amen? But would you remember the, uh, Saturday, 11 o'clock, the, the, the visitation is at 9.30 till 11. Would you pray that the Holy Spirit will come? Because I intend to give an altar call and ask the Holy Spirit to move. Amen? Would you stand, Father? I pray blessing over every person tonight. I just feel like it's like going and seeing need after need after need after need and tragedy after tragedy. And then to turn and leave the cards behind. God, it's like you want to grab a bunch of them and take them with you. You want to hold them close to your heart. You want to you want to pray over them and look at them every single day for several times a day. But we leave these cards behind. But we take those needs that we've read in our heart. And as you bring it to our mind in the next several days, Father God, we will whisper a prayer. We will be the link between that need and that card and the throne room of Jesus. And people have been vulnerable, and in many of those cards, they have thrown themselves out, filleted wide open to the raw flesh and said, help me. I open myself up. I become vulnerable to those who ever read it. Help me. Help us help them. And take those needs to you in prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. And then Sunday night, we're going to be praying for as many people that need prayer. We're going to have these needs and these cards. We're going to believe God for testimonies. And Sunday night, we're going to have a great service Sunday morning, but Sunday night, we're going to spend some time. I, I hope you plan to come. Now, as you leave, don't forget our missionaries. Just get out there with them and say hello to them. Don't forget the table out there, the various events, the women and chocolate event. If you haven't signed up for that, ladies, get your ticket. And here's what I want any of you ladies here. If you walk up there and say, I cannot afford it, then I'm telling you to tell them that we will be certain, I will be certain your ticket is paid for, all right? So there's no reason for any lady not to be able to go because we will take care of your ticket. Amen. I don't want you not to go. We go, well, it's 
$25. Who gives a rip? God can come up with the money. If I went and asked Joe Jasso right now, give me 500, he would peel it out right out of his pocket. That's the kind of leadership we have at Victory. Turn to somebody you think looks better than you and say, God bless you, okay? I could sing of your love forever. I could sing of your Sing of your love forever, forever and ever. You've been so faithful to me, Jesus, so I could sing of your love forever, and I could. 